Welcome to the podcast of C3 Church with today's message. All right, let us rise up and build. Uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to read a few verses there. Four. We're going to start reading at verse 18. Um, and then I think I'm going to just stop right there and then we'll go into what I feel like the Lord wants me to extrapolate from this scripture. So, Matthews, if you need a Bible, please raise your hands. We want to make sure that you can see what's in the Word of God. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. We've got plenty of Bibles. Okay, we have one right here and one in the back. Okay, Randy, praise the Lord. So, Matthew chapter 4, uh, verse 18. I'm going to go ahead and start reading. And the Bible says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He said, follow, and I'll make you. Follow, and I'll make you. There is a response that we have to do before God can make you. You have to be a follower for him to make you. Hello, somebody. That word follow is an imperative word. It means that he's not inviting us, he's commanding us. Right? He said, when you follow me, then I'll make you. A lot of people say, God, make me when you're not following him. Right? I'm, I'm, God, if you do this, then I'll do that. No, God said, I've already done everything I'm going to do. I've already sent my son. He's not going to die again. I've already given you all of his blood. I've already given you everything that you need. Follow me, then I'll make you. Come on, somebody. I can take you back to the book of Genesis. It said in Genesis chapter 1, and God blessed them and then said unto them, God never spoke anything after he blessed you first, and then he told you about it. So when you hear about it, you already got blessed with what God wants you to have. And God blessed them, and then he said unto them, God is not going to say anything to you that he hadn't already supplied for you. And most of the time, as soon as God say it, we go, well, God, will you give me? God is saying, I gave you what you need. All I need you to do is follow. I got like five people on that. Okay, all right, good, 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 good. I'll keep reading, I'll keep reading. Maybe I'll get six on the next one. <laughs> Verse 20 says, and they immediately, somebody say no hesitation. no hesitation. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Now notice, 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 the, the, notice Jesus' ministry. Notice when he called people, he called them in pairs because Jesus knew something that a lot of times we don't know is that we need each other. He called them together. They were brothers already. They already had a relationship. And so when he called them, he called them to do something for him, but he wanted them to know that you don't have to do this by yourself. That, that, when you learn that the whole fivefold, the whole Theology about the fivefold ministry is understanding that you are co-laborers. And it is important that we know that. Okay, let me keep reading. Uh, it was John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, and they were mending their nets. Somebody say that with me. Mending their nets. They were doing what? They were mending their nets. He called them, and immediately, somebody say, no hesitation. They left the boat and their father and followed him. These guys didn't just follow Jesus. They left their businesses. Yeah. Yeah. 
They left their way of life. So in other words, saints of God, a lot of times you want to hold on to some things before you follow Jesus, but Jesus is declaring you got to drop everything if you want to follow me. You're going to have to let go of your past so you can grab a hole. You, you can't grab your future when your hands are full of your past. And so they follow him. So I want to get back to that process of mending the nets. And, and when I begin to look at that and I begin to study that, this is what it means. They had to spread their nets out to dry. They had to inspect the nets. They had to wash the nets with fresh water because they had that net out there. And it was getting, getting all of that uh, dirty water on the net. So they had to wash the net with fresh water. See, sometimes we got to be washed with fresh water. See, we get washed with the washing of the word because as we're walking in the world, we tend to get dirty from the world. Come on, somebody. And so we wash with the washing of the word and God begins to convert us back to what we need to be because God wants us to be saved and sanctified. He want to set apart meat for the master's use. And so we can only do that if we continue to be washed with the washing of the word. Then they had to repair the holes. They weren't just going to drop the net and then they see a big hole in the net and then they're going to let it dry and use it the next day. They had to repair the holes, man. Come on. See, there are a lot of holes we might have to repair in our own hearts today. There might be some, some, some areas in our life where there are some voids. Uh, or we feel like with something, somebody didn't meet a void in our life. And now we are trying to command them to do something that they can't do. See, a lot of us are trying to command our parents to do something that they cannot do. See, our parents gave us what they could. Hello, somebody. And a lot of times in relationships, you're in a certain relationship, you want that person to fulfill you. God has never sent anybody to you to fulfill you. No, there, there's nothing in a marriage that says anything about 50-50. There is no 50-50 in a marriage. It's 100% of 100%. No, no, I don't give her 50 and she give me 50. That's 100% missing. That's why people commit affairs, because you got 100% missing and you go somewhere else. I told the guys yesterday that a lot of times like we hear men say the grass is greener on the other side, but they forgot to tell you that that grass is on the top of a septic tank. Y'all okay? Amen. Amen. Come on, fellas. Come on. If you water your own grass, if you water your own grass, it'll be just as green. I always say that you can find out the worth of a man is always in the countenance of his wife's face. You look at Elaine, you know I'm, I'm doing what I need to do. <laughs> just look at her. <laughs> Shoot. Tell you right now. <laughs> Dog all right. <laughs> I know what I got. Yeah, enough said. N-U-F-F. Enough. I'm so glad y'all let me be me. I ain't lying. I just <laughs> Praise God. All right, let's get back to the net. They had to clean the net of debris. They had to sift through it for damage. And they had to do this on a daily basis. It was mundane. It was tedious. Uh, after which, they would carefully fold the net and put it in its proper place. And see, one of the things that we learn in ministry is 
the net represents the hearts, the lives, and the relationships of people. The hearts, the lives, and the relationships of people. And we learned that in Christopher Patrick's book. He was here teaching uh, a few weeks ago, The Fullness of Ministry. You need to read his book. And this is what I got out of his book, that the net represents the hearts, the lives, and the relationships of people. One of the things I want to show you about the word mending is kartartizo, kartar, and if you want to do it like they really say it in Greek, kartartizo. You roll that tongue, so if you're Spanish, you probably can roll that tongue real good. Amen. And so this is what it means, to complete thoroughly, repair, adjust, fit, frame, make perfect, join together, prepare, and restore. That's what that word mending means. Now, when you take that, and I know we're talking about a net, but let's just talk about people. Because in God's house, the net is the people, right? So if the people need to be adjusted, then that's what we have to do. Because if we don't get in proper alignment, then how will the net work? If, 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 we, if we understand that we're not fit enough, in, in other words, we're obese in areas where we shouldn't be obese. And we're skinny in areas where we shouldn't be skinny. Oh, see, see, you see. Okay. All right. I'm going to keep, I'm going to move. Y'all didn't like that because we're talking about weight. Or make perfect. To join together. I know how y'all are. Don't worry about it. We're going to move on. Uh, to prepare or to restore. But if you got a bunch of broken folks in the house of God, why would God throw the net out to get more people? Because if you're already broken, you really don't know how to minister to other people. Right? That's why when it said a lot of times when pastors are hurt, they preach out of their hurt. And you can hear it. You can hear it in the tone. You can hear it, right? But no, 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 no. Since my brokenness has been healed, I never use the pulpit to get after somebody else. I don't have to do that. The Word of God does that. Amen, somebody. And so what God wants to do, he wants to heal all of us. And listen, let me tell you something. He wants to heal me, John Lofton. He, he wants to heal my broken. I'm still broken in some areas that I need the Lord to work on, some weaknesses that I need the Lord to work on. So since we are all broken, I said since we are all broken, amen, so since, since we haven't arrived yet, we don't have a glorified body yet. So in this flesh, Paul says what? There's no good thing in this flesh, right? He said, when I want to do good, evil is present with me. So every time you want to do good, evil's going to say, stop it. Why are you doing good? Why are you asking them to forgive you? It wasn't your fault. Okay, let me, can I move on just a little bit more? Okay, I'm going to keep moving a little bit more. Just remember that word, kartartizo. Say it. Say it again. Oh, man, y'all sound so good. Y'all going to be Greek in a minute. <laughs> so, in other words, when, when, when God does this to us, guys, we got we to gotta think about Genesis. See, because there's something in Genesis called the pre-fall mentality. What was going on before the fall, right? And God is always trying to take us back to the original design, the pre-fall mentality. What was it like before the fall? Before they ate of the forbidden fruit, and it wasn't an apple. Before they ate of the forbidden fruit, what was it like? What could they do? What could they speak into existence? What would be the competency of a man without sin in his life made in the homage day of God? What could that man do? Well, we saw that Adam named all of the animals. Adam had authority over everything, but he remained silent when he was supposed to speak. God spoke to chaos and brought order. Adam was silent in chaos, and he created disorder. God is the one that speaks those things that be not as though they were. Man can't do that. 
You can claim it, but that's not yours. God is the only one that can speak things that be not as though they were. And when you are in God, and if you use his words, then you can speak things, but that doesn't mean they're going to come to pass. Because you may not be lining up with God's principles. God, you can't just name and claim stuff, saints. You can do that all you want to. If you don't line up with the principle of the word of God, you can name it all day long. Am I talking to the right church? Okay, because you've got to understand, you, a promise is tied to principles. You just can't blab stuff and say, oh, I, I can go right down there right now, and I can go right there to the Bentley dealership. Uh-huh. And, and I can sit in that Bentley, and, and it smells good, because the leather in a Bentley smell, it don't smell like, it don't smell like other leather. It don't feel like other leather either. When you sit in it, it just kind of, it kind of, it kind of grabs your back, right? Because when you sit in it, you go, you go, oh, God, yes. And you know you got to act like you're driving it, right? Because you'll never start it up. And so, you know, you, <laughs> they'll let you sit in it, but they ain't going to let you drive it, amen. You, you got to have a black, a black card. That's the highest card you can get is a black card. And so, and so, so you, you get in it, and, and, and you like, and the first words out of your mouth is, is this. Your mouth says, oh, this matches me. You hear what I said? It matches me. Why? Because God knows I can name it and claim it in his mind. But your credit is 300. <laughs> you know what they're going to do? They're going to say, uh, sir, would you mind stepping outside of the car, please? <laughs> we just ran your credit, and uh, you need to get to stepping. <laughs> but I named it and claimed it. They're going to give you the right foot of fellowship right on out of there. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So you can name all that, but it don't mean it's yours. Right? See, because everything has... <laughs> Everything has principles tied to it. And you know if you go up in there and your wallet starts sucking in air, you know you need to turn around. <laughs> Amen. But here's the deal, saints of God. Without man, that car has no value. You can go buy that $175,000 car. You can park it out there in that parking lot. You can roll up the windows and leave it for 20 years. When you come back, the tires will be rotten. The hoses will be rotten. It will be dust and dirt all over that car. Why? Because man wasn't there to take care of it. Without man, that car has no value. Without God, man has no value. Whoa. My God, my God. He brings value to us. He cleans us up. He rides on our backs. Come on, somebody. Glory to God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right. Y'all going to say I'm a preacher. I better stop. <laughs> Don't let people impede your praise. The closer Jesus gets, the louder you should praise. That's what I was talking about earlier, right? And see, a lot of times, saints of God, to get to the place of deliverance, you, sometimes you're going to have to praise your way through. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you that sometimes, man, 
you got to get to a point to where you are sick and tired of being sick and tired. And, 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 and see, when you're at your wit's end, then you got a decision to make. When you are at the crossroads, you, 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 it can go either way. Amen. That's the point where you need to surrender to him completely. And you just have to give it up and say, God, you know what? I've had my A plan. Uh, my, that failed, my B. I had my C. And then I had that F plan under the bed. And then I had my 3A and my 4B. And that failed. at some point, you got to say, you know what, Lord? I'm done with this. I'm done with it. And see, and when, you, when you get to that point, that's when the Holy Spirit steps in. Right. Because as long as you think you can maintain control, the Holy Ghost is not going to strong arm you to do anything. He's a perfect gentleman. He's a paracletos. He's the one that comes alongside of us. He's our guide, but he's not going to make you do anything. But the moment you get down on your knees and you say, God, I can't do anything else but to worship you. I don't even know what direction to go in right now, Lord. So all I'm going to do is worship you. I'm going to make sure that my mind has been purified so I can hear your voice with clarity and specificity so I know which direction to go in. But God, I'm not going to move until I hear from you. God, I'm not going to move until I hear you say something, that you give me some guidance, that you give me some direction that I can hear your voice right now, God. I need you in my life right now. I need you to come through for me right now. I need you to come through for my marriage. I need you to come through for my life. I need you to come through for my children. I need you to come through for the community. I need you to come through for the nation. God, I call upon your name. No other name I know that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth, and every tongue shall confess. Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. And when you get to that point of surrender, God comes through in your life. Come on, somebody. And see, a lot of times, a lot of times, this is where men fight because we want to be in control. We want to be in control. We want to dominate. We want to be in control. But you got to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And the Bible teaches me that he will exalt you in due season. See, it may not be your season yet. <laughs> and a lot of us are trying to tell God it's our season. I know you sing the song, this is my season. This is my day. Fresh and Coming my way. Season of power. And, and see, look here. Oh, see that y'all go. <laughs> Come into me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, could, it, could, it could be. But it, it, it also could not be, right? Because there is a season of prosperity, but there is also a season of lack, right? What I've learned in my little short time of being a Christian is there is an ebb and flow <laughs> in my faith. There are times, man, I'm telling you, I'm on the mountain. Boy, those are good times, aren't they? Things are just flowing. Things are clicking. You're praying for folks. Boy, people getting healed. Man, things are happening, man. It's awesome, man. People laid out in the spirit. You pray for somebody on the phone. You can just, you have a connection with God. 
you prophesied, man, and it came to pass like immediately. Boy, you on the mountaintop. But then there are sometimes when you down in that valley and you just trying to pick up the word of God and just read the word, and you're like, what is wrong with me? Nothing is making sense. I'm trying to pray. It's like I'm praying to a brass heaven and an iron earth. Nothing is really going through. I was praying for somebody and I didn't even feel it. You know, I don't know what's going on with me right now because you in that valley spot right there, see? But God is trying to teach you something that you got to rely on him and not on you. Because a lot of times when things come through like that, you start saying, that's me. I did that. No, God said, no, I'm doing it. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to drop you a little bit to show you who's in control. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because if you don't drop a little, your faith won't grow. Because I'm tell you, I don't grow on the mountain. I, I know about you, but John Lawton, I don't grow on mountains. I grow in the valley. Yeah. And see, I did a series about four years ago called Valuable Lessons from the Valley. I took every valley in the Bible and I, and I applied it to our lives today. You might want to go back and listen to that series. It was seven of them. Seven of them. Valuable Lessons from the Valley. And man, let me tell you something. I have learned most of the lessons that I am preaching right now from a valley experience. Mm -hmm. we, we've been in the valley. We know some, sometimes we were, we, were, we were below the valley. I ain't lying. I, I, Sometimes we were praying just to be in the valley. Just, just God, just put me in the valley right now because we like, we like looking at the valley. Right? It, we, we was low points. We've hit some low points in our life. We've hit some low points in our ministry. We've hit some low points in our marriages, but that showed us how we can grow together. Is this making sense at all? See, you can't be a great marriage if you hadn't gone through anything. How will you know that your marriage will endure? Right? It endures when you go through financial hardship. It endures when you go through a medical problem. Come on, somebody. It endures if something happens to your marital bed and, all, and everything ain't lining up like it should. Come on. I hope I'm talking to the right church right now. But if you can endure through all of that, the Bible says weeping. But joy comes in the morning. See, that morning time is when you decide to wake up. Joy comes when you wake up. Come on, somebody. See, our marriage has endured a lot. That's why we don't have a good one right now. We got a great marriage right now because we had to go through some great adversity. And see, what you see right now is the effects and the benefits of the valleys. And you might look at us and say, man, they ain't never gone through nothing. You sit down for a second. We'll tell you some stuff we've gone through. We've been through some pits, saints of God. My God, we've been through some pits when we didn't feel like we were going to make it. But God always came through. Amen. And I'm telling you, right, when you're ready to give up, it's when you're at the precipice of your greatest miracle. Amen. See, that's why you can't give up when it gets hard. You got to press in. You got to press in. Because you see, when you're giving birth to something, my, 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 my. See, when you're giving birth to something, and when, that, when that, oh my God, when that baby begins to crest, man, that's when the pain gets great. When you get ready to birth something, something that is holy, something that God has placed inside of you, something, something that you know is greater than you, man, you begin to give birth to it. That's when it gets painful. That's when the enemy starts slapping you all around the room. That's when your finances start messing up. That's when stuff in your house start breaking down. That's when your car just starts. You're on your way to work. You're like, what is wrong with this thing? See, that, that's when it happens, right? Right right when your miracle is getting ready to come through. That's when the enemy begins to disturb you. He begins to disturb your sleep. He will wake you up in the middle of the night. He will put stuff in your mind and give you a delusional spirit. 
I'm telling you what I know, saints. This is not something I read in a book. I'm telling you what I've experienced. I'm telling you what I have lived in my life. When I was at the closest point of God getting ready to bless me is when I was ready to give up. And I'm telling you, saints, don't give up. Don't, please, I want to encourage you, don't give up right now. I know it might be hard. I know your finances might be in a strange place right now. I know different things are happening right now, but don't give up. I'm telling you, saints, God is worth fighting for. He is, he is. And see, we got to figure out what we got to learn in this experience, guys. He's worth fighting for. Amen. Amen. Come on and give him a praise in Jesus' name. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Can I go a little bit deeper? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. I want to share a few things with you there, and then we'll wrap this up. Is that okay? I apologize for getting loud. But boy, I tell you what. God has done some great things in my life. It's hard for me to keep silent. And let me just say, just because a person is loud, don't make them anointed. So, so I'm not trying to equate loudness to anointing. Either you are anointed or you're not. The anointing is not proven because you say so. People have to see it on you. And you have to be the visible manifestation of an invisible God. Amen. And see, I figure if I can catch on fire, either you're going to watch me burn or you're going to burn with me. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah. See, we should be a burning bush. See, the bush burned, but it wasn't consumed. <laughs> Amen. Ephesians chapter 4. This is Apostle Paul teaching the church of Ephesus. He was in a strange place when he wrote this, this book. He was in prison. And uh, so I want to read some passages here. Uh, let's drop down to verse 7. I'm not, I'm not, well, no, I can't do that. Verse 1. I'm sorry. I was going to try to, y'all know how it is. The Lord always rebukes me when I try to shortcut God. Okay, you have verse, uh, verse 1 in Ephesians 4. Everybody get there and say, I have it. I have it. it says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, um, to, um, to walk worthy, I got it stretched, I don't know why I got a mark there, to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called with all lowliness and gentleness, uh, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love and endeavoring to keep the unity of the faith. faith. Can somebody say unity of the faith? I'm going to come back to that in a second. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your glory, hope of your calling, I'm sorry, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Verse 7, but to each one of us grace uh, was given according to the metron, according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. He gave gifts. Somebody say gifts. He gave gifts to men. He gave. Jesus gave gifts to men. Nine says, now this he ascended. What does it mean but that he also 
first descended into the lower parts of the earth. I'm going to explain a little bit about that in a second. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heaven that he might feel all in all. Verse 11, and he, Jesus himself, Jesus gave these gifts. Jesus gave these gifts. It's important that you understand who gave these gifts. He gave these five gifts because if you don't understand who gave these five gifts, you will confuse them with 1 Corinthians chapter, 13, uh, chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14 because the Holy Spirit gave those gifts. So there's the gifts that Jesus gave and the gifts that the Holy Spirit gave. And you need to know that there is a difference. He, Jesus, gave these gifts. He gave some, somebody say some, to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some shepherds. Their word should be shepherds and teachers. But he gave them for a reason, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till, till, somebody say till. That means until, until. So he gave these five ascension gifts until something happens. And I don't believe that until something happens has happened yet. Until, so therefore, if it hadn't happened yet, then these fivefold gifts are still present today. It's important that you see this, thanks to God, until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a whole man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Are we there yet? then if we're not there yet, then we are still in the until. Amen. Amen. And so it goes on to say that we should be no longer children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Man, I'm telling you, if you're not in his word, you will be deceived by folk. You reverse, go to Matthew chapter 24. First thing Jesus said, please be careful that you're not deceived. Verse 15, uh, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in, in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joining and knit together by what every joint supplies. Man, we need each other. Every joint supplies. I need you. I need to be connected to you guys because you, you supply something for me. Uh, by every joint that supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. That's why we're not members in this church. We're partners. Why? Everybody got a part to play. So we're partners in this ministry. Everybody has a part to play, causing growth of the body for the edifying of itself. The edifying of itself. Let me just stop right there because I want to I show you something here. Uh, I want to I pull some stuff out of here. There were seven specific directives that we can pull out of what I just read to you. The first was the character requirement of and the pattern of Jesus Christ. And see, the character requirement is, 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 well, I'm just not going to say it. I'm going to just show you. Here, oh, y'all taking pictures? Okay, you got the character requirements. You got the seven basic unities. You got the diversity out of unity. You got two primary functions. You got a time frame and then their ultimate goals. You got an alternative because if you don't have the fivefold, there is the absence of the fivefold, there's an alternative. There are alternative results. And then you got the crescendo of it all. You got that? Okay, I'll send you all my notes. So here we go. <laughs> Boy, that's the devil, man. <laughs> ain't nothing but the... <laughs> devil, you better get up out of here. <laughs> okay, five character requirements. Okay, oh, I didn't put them in here. 
ah, man. Okay, I got to give them to you. I thought, I, mm, I forgot that slide. My bad. So I'm going to give them to you. Amen? Are you ready? Five character requirements. Lowliness. Oh, we can just read it. Y'all want to just read it then? Let's just read it. Verse 2. Lowliness and gentleness with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the faith. So here, here are the five. Lowliness, gentleness, which is meekness, patience, bearing with one another. You know what that means, right? That, that means that um, you, you are, you're curbing your anger. You, you're bearing with one another. You're not, you're not going to get as angry as you always have been. You're bearing with one another. And then the last one is love. These are five character requirements. So I got to talk about this for a second because if you don't understand that these character requirements are a requirement for the fivefold, then you can't operate in the fivefold. So the first requirement, I can sum all five of them up with one word, humility. If you're not humble, you don't deserve to operate in the fivefold because you try to take on that gift as yours when it was given by Jesus. So that's those, and see, you got to understand, there are requirements. He laid things out first. He didn't just tell you about the fivefold. He said, no, there is a character requirement, and it's going to be humility. And this is why it has to be humility, because the pattern of Jesus is a pattern of humility. Right. Amen. Jesus, Jesus humbled himself even to the death of the cross. So if Jesus humbled himself, then you're going to have to be humble to receive what Jesus wants to give. That's the pattern, guys. If, 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 if operating in the fivefold gifts that somehow you think you're entitled to some kind of nice robe and, and, and people got to bow down to you every time you come in the room, man, that's a problem, and you're not adhering to the character requirements that Jesus Christ gave. Amen. That really means you don't have to have that title. You know who you are. Amen? Because actually, the title don't make you. If it does, then you don't need it. You make the title. Amen? Amen. And, and so, so it's the pattern of Jesus Christ. And then you got the seven basic unities. I didn't give you those either. My God, I'm sorry. I, oh, oh, oh. I, told, I said I wanted you guys to write. Okay. So let me give you the, set, the seven basic unities. You got the five character requirements? Okay, let me give you the seven basic unities. One body. The Bible calls it the unity of the spirit. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and I'm going to explain that in a second, and one God. Got it? Okay, let's go back up to the top. There's one body. That's the church of Jesus Christ. There's one body. There's one spirit. We know what that spirit is. Somebody said Holy Spirit. All right. So there is no great spirit. Okay? So it's not like you in the world and then you got like this great spirit because you don't want both feet in the spirit. So you got one foot in the world, but you want to act like Christians in the church. <laughs> so, so there, 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 there's either an ungodly or unholy spirit, and there's a holy spirit. It's, 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 it's unholy and holy. 
is dark. Unrighteousness. Not saved. There ain't no, ain't no middle with Jesus. Right? You, you can't, it's like being a little pregnant. It's like you can't, you either pregnant, you, you got a fetus or you don't. You can't be a little pregnant. <laughs> Amen. So therefore, saints of God, either you're going to be in with both feet or you are out with both feet. You need to stop trying to convince yourself that somehow you can live like hell all week and then you come to church on Sunday and you, you're trying to live holy and you want to speak in tongues on Sunday, but you want to cuss people out on Monday. It don't happen that way, saints of God. What you are every day is who you are every day. You can't just come in here and, and start fronting and posing like you got it all together. Amen? All right, okay, I ain't going to say nothing else about that. One spirit, that's the Holy Spirit. One hope, that's heaven. That's heaven. One Lord, we know that's Jesus Christ. One faith, that's the gospel. Praise God. Now, you know there's only one gospel. Paul said to the church of Galatia, he said, I marvel that you have so soon removed from the gospel that I preach unto another gospel. Now, there is another gospel that says that it doesn't matter. You don't have to repent of your sins. You can just come to church and we'll give you a motivational speech. I'm going to pat you on the back. I'm going to make you feel really good. I'm not going to say anything about sin. You don't have to worry about the blood of Jesus. Don't worry about repenting. Don't worry about sacrificing. Don't worry about surrendering. I'm going to just give you a nice little homily and I'm going to pat you on the back, but before you leave, I got to make sure that you write out that tie check because I got stuff I got to do. I got a new Bentley I got to look at later on. I don't know why that came up, so I'm sorry. I don't think that was the Lord. I think John Lawton slipped that one in there. I don't think that was the Lord. So y'all just scratch that from the record. There's one baptism, and you might say, well, John, hold on, there's more than one baptism. But what this baptism is talking about is the baptism into the body of Christ. You're being baptized into the body. That's the first baptism. And then you can get baptized in water, and you can get baptized in the Holy Ghost with evidence. So it's three baptisms, but what he's speaking of here is salvation only. So there's one baptism into the body of Christ. Everybody got that? Amen. And then he says, and there's one God. We know that's the Father. Now, so he talked about seven unities, but my God. But then he talked about diversity out of unity. So when we start talking about diversity out of unity, this is what we get. The apostolic is a governing ministry. The prophetic is a guiding ministry. The evangelistic is a gathering ministry. Shepherding is a guarding ministry. Teaching is a grounding ministry. Diversities of ministries, one unity. And if you can't unify with the seven unities of Jesus, you won't know how to be diverse in what Jesus wants us to do. If you can't unify right, then you think that this is the most, uh, the, the most powerful one, or this one is the most powerful one, or this one is the most powerful one, when they are co-laboring ministries. Everybody got this? Okay? So I wanted you to see that. Governing, guiding, gathering, guarding, and grounding. Those are the diversities of the gifts. Now, there are two main functions. You see that I write them down. I didn't. 
There are two main functions. They are to equip the believers for the work and to build up the total body. To equip and to build up. You got that? So now, I got to show you this word equipping. Remember when I, what was that K word for mending? Cartartizo. Y'all remember that word? Okay, let me show you the word for equipping. It's cartartizmos. The verb form of cartartizo. So equipping means to render fit, to render sound or healthy, to complete, to equip, to arrange, to adjust, to strengthen, to perfect or mature, to make one what he ought to be. In other words, saints of God, you cannot mend the net unless you got the fivefold. This is why the net is broken, because we don't have a true, proper fivefold working in the house of God, because we, a lot of times we don't have a true understanding of what it is. Right? The apostolic is just a foundational gift, along with the prophetic. Those are foundational gifts. It doesn't make them more powerful or more anointed than anybody else, because we do need the teaching gifts. We do need the shepherding gifts in the house of God. We do need the evangelistic gifts in the house of God, and we need all of them working in unison. Right? Why? Because we're humble. Humility has to be your character requirement there. And when you're humble, you don't care who goes first. You don't care who preaches. Right? I don't care, I don't care who, man. As a matter of fact, I try not to preach. Because I like traveling. I like hanging out with my boo and my boo thing. So I got a boo and a boo thing. <laughs> my boo and my boo thing. Because when my boo ain't around, my boo thing takes over. She really does. So, so, I, I, we like hanging out, right? I can't do that if I'm always called, what's going on at the church? You know, what was the offering? Let me tell you how many times I asked about the offering. Where's Antonio? Where's Mayala? How many times have I asked about the offering? <laughs> I said, you know, <laughs> right? How many times did I ask you, is so-and-so in the church tithing? How many times have I asked you that question? Okay. There's a reason for that. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care if you're tithing or not. Men of Lane get blessed off what we give, not what you give. Amen. You got to give. As a matter of fact, you better understand what that tithing thing is, by the way, because I teach that. You can give a tithe and, and, and be toe up in your heart. You know the church will receive it, right? Oh, yeah. But Jesus won't. So you better read the word carefully, that just because you're giving 10% don't mean Jesus is taking it. And that might be why you keep giving and ain't nothing happening. Uh -oh. See? Well, See? I know, I know, I know. See, them shackles are beginning to come off right now. Right? And the scores of people who are writing a 10% check, but they living like hell all week. No, you're not, you're not just because you write a big check. You don't get, you don't get close to me in the lane just because you're giving a lot of money. I don't care how much you've given. God has got this. And I never have ever beat any of you over the head about giving a tithe or giving. Have I? I'm a Bible teacher. I'm not a beggar. I'm going to teach you so good you're going to want to give. I don't have to beg. You're going to be like, boy, that, ooh, let me write this check. Right? You should be growing on a level that as you grow in the spirit, your giving should grow. 
And by the way, God knows what you should be given. Well, I don't need to know when he knows. Amen. Amen. And I know this for a fact. If people in this church won't do it, God will bless somebody outside this church to write the check. We just got a check just, just, just this week. And I looked at it. I was like, good God Almighty. Just from another church. They just blessed us. They said, oh, we had some extra. had some extra laying around back there. You know, they was, you know, in the coffers, in the back of the safe. And we just wanted to bless churches. Yeah. But we must be doing something right. When you got another church, I don't really have a relationship with them much. We've talked. I've talked with the pastor a couple of times. But I mean, but that, that saints, you, you got to know this is God's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Come on, somebody. All right, y'all want some more? I got to... Oh, my God. Y'all got to stop asking those questions. <laughs> See, when y'all ask questions, you delay the message. So you can't blame me if you keep asking questions. All right? Time frame. Time frame. We just talked about the time frame until we come into the unity of the faith. Right? In harmony with one another. We're not there yet, saints. So if we're not there yet, then we need the fivefold. I know, I, I, I know typically. I know typically what people say is there are no apostles for today. I know that theology. I know there is a, a school of theology that teaches that. I understand that, saints of God. I'm not, listen here, um, and, 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 and let me just share this with you too. I'm, I'm still learning, and I'm still growing in this, right? Um, but there would never, ever be more apostles of the Lamb. And when I say that, I'm talking about the ones that Jesus handpicked. They're considered the apostles of the Lamb. There will never, ever be apostles like that. These apostles are not apostles of the Lamb. These are called apostles. Those apostles were handpicked. Now, I, I will say this because I know a, a school of thought says that only the 12 that Jesus picked are apostles. But, you know, one of them killed himself. So that means it was 11. And the 12th one wasn't decided until after his ascension. Right? Well, he didn't ascend after his resurrection. Let me put it that way. So who was the, the 12th one? Who chose Matthias? The apostles did. Jesus didn't. So even if you say only the first 12, actually you have to say only the first 11. But when you go to heaven, it's going to be 12 pillars, and one of them is going to be named Matthias. So Matthias was an apostle, but he wasn't chosen by Jesus. Amen? So there were 14 apostles called before Pentecost, 14. Jesus was the chief apostle. Then he had 12. That's 13. Matthias is what? 14. There was also that I have counted in Scripture 10 other apostles after Pentecost. And I'm going to show you that next week. 10 others. So what do you do with Paul? If there was only 12, why did Paul call himself an apostle? What do you do with Paul? What do you do with Silas? What do you do with Barnabas? What do you do with Timothy? And by the way, what do you do with James? Right? So, so 
again, I'm still learning, but I can prove stuff by Scripture. And if I can't prove it by Scripture, then you can throw it out. Amen? So all we're doing is just trying to learn about what the fivefold is. There was a time frame until we all come to the unity of the faith. We're not there yet. So now we still need the fivefold working in the house of God. Is this making sense at all? But then, but there's also the ultimate goals, the unity of the faith, maturity, and ability to represent Christ. And then the alternative results are, um, the Bible says that we will be immature. We will be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. In other words, with, with the absence of the fivefold, we, we would be susceptible of a delusional spirit. We will be easily deceived, right? Why? Because if you don't understand doctrine, sound doctrine, then you might be following something that is more traditional than theological. Amen. Amen. Now, traditions are good. Traditionalism is when we hinder into those, when we go into those areas where we put the traditionalism above the commands of God. Some traditions are good. We need some traditions. We, we got some traditions in here, the way we do stuff, right? Every church has a form of tradition, but we don't use what we do and put that above the commands of God. Amen? So I want to make sure we got a good, proper balance here, right? And then the crescendo is completeness, unity, and every joint supplied. When you got the fivefold working in the house, you got the elders set up, you got the deacons set up in the house, man, don't you know you got something to work with right there? And listen, this has nothing to do with having thousands of people in the house either. All we need to do is just have some people in place so that we can do what God has called us to do. Amen? You, you an evangelist? You don't have to change it. Right? And listen, these five gifts, you're called to it. You just can't say you are that. You're called to it. You're called to it. And it won't leave you alone. It will not leave you alone. I was called to the apostolic gift. I didn't even know what it was. I didn't have anybody to show me what it was. Right? I, I heard him. I heard him. I, it was clear. But I was like, I didn't do nothing with it because I was like, I don't, I don't know what to do with this. And then I was around people that said that there are no more apostles. So I'm like, what in the world I do with what you said? <laughs> then I was just lost. I'm like, now, God, I know what you said, but I hear what people are saying. And that's where I got the message, acknowledge what God has said and ignore what the devil is saying. Because I had to ignore what people were saying, and I had to acknowledge what God had already said. And then he began to bring people in my life to explain what it was. And I was like, oh. And then you got, there, has to be, there have to be other people who are operating in that gift to see it in you. If they don't see it in you, then you might have to question what you heard. I'm talking about seasoned people that's not going to just lie to you. They're going to tell you the truth. If they can't see it in you, you might not be in it. Right? It's confirmed. And so, and I'll get into more of that uh, next Sunday. We're going to break down each gift so you know what it is and what it isn't. And then we'll move on from there. Is that all right? Yeah. See, the reason I have to explain this kind of stuff on Sundays is because you've got to understand what kind of church this is. 
right? And, and then you need, to be, uh, you, you need to have a way to effectively articulate what a five-fold ministry is because some people are confused about what it is. Amen? So this is why I like taking the time to just, I know it takes longer, but I'm telling you, I truly believe that the days of sermonettes and preaching cute little homilies are over. We got to get back to teaching the people of God what this Bible is actually saying so that you can take these words and apply them to your lives today, to your marriage, to your children, to your business, because these principles work, right? But if I don't take the time to show you, you might be missing out on some of your inheritance. And I don't know about you, but I want everything that God has for me. Air, air, air. Everything that God has for me, I want it. I do not want to get to heaven and God shows me this room full of stuff that I could have had. But because I was disobedient and arrogant and I wasn't humble enough, I couldn't get it. Mm-mm, nope, nope. I'm going to just drop to my knees. I'm sorry. I'm going I'm to be, be more humble than you. <laughs> now, all of a sudden, no, no, Pastor, I'm going to be more humble than you. No, I'm going to be more humble than you. And that be a church that's more humble than each other. <laughs> Ain't that awesome? Thank you for listening. We pray that this message encouraged you. If you would like to learn more about C3 Church, Please visit us in person in Indian Trail, North Carolina at 5805 West Highway 74, Indian Trail, North Carolina 28079 or on the web c3churchnc.org or on facebook.com forward slash c3indiantrailnc.org.